1: Well, I have had the privilege of being able to interview different individuals that have gone through traumas and we get to hear their stories of transformation and triumph as they as they pull themselves up out of various examples of ash in their lives. Well, today is no exception. I have a wonderful guest with us and his name is Dorsey Ross. Now Dorsey was born January 16, 1977, with a congenital disability known as Apert's syndrome. When Dorsey was born, his forehead was pushed outward, his nose and mouth were pushed inward, and his fingers and toes were fused, meaning he had no individual movement of them. Doctors gave Dorsey's parents no hope for his survival and advised them to put him into an institution. His parents both knew and trusted in God, and they believed that God would do great things in Dorsey's life. Throughout his life, Dorsey had to overcome many obstacles and trials, such as being bullied and called names like monster and freak, as well as undergoing multiple operations. Now, Dorsey, I could go on with all the information you provided in your in your biography, but I want to stop and really introduce you and let you kind of take over and share with us with you know welcome to phoenix and flame first of all
0: well dean i think you so come
1: up for having me i appreciate it this is wonderful you know just what i've read so far it sounds like you had quite the experience growing up what was yeah. that like for you
0: it was um you know it was difficult at times you know especially with you know you seeing the the multiple operations that I've had to deal with. I had my first operation at six weeks to open the skull and to, you know, allow my brain to grow and allow it to function normally. My parents were told, you know, that I wouldn't survive and to put me into a institution and to let me to let me be. And thankfully, because my parents were, you know, people of faith and people that trusted God, they said, well, you know, we can't, you know, we can't do that. We can't put him into a institution. We'll just take him home and see what, you know, see what will happen. they had heard from one of the nurses in the hospital where I was born, I was born in uh, Queens, New York. Grew up, you know, most of my life in in New York. I now live in Pennsylvania, and they had heard from one of the nurses in the hospital that doctors at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital were doing operations on babies like myself, and they took me there. and They said, "Well, you know, we can operate. We can, you know, relieve the pressure on his brain." And, you know, we can see what happens, but he'll have to, you know, overcome a lot. He'll have to go through a lot of difficulties and a lot of issues in his life. But, you know, we really, you know, basically, we really don't know how long he'll survive. Doctors at one point told my parents, you know, we don't think he'll live past the age of 18 Mm You know, from about six weeks to about five years old, I had about, probably about 10 operations, I would say. You know, some lasting up to 10 hours at a time. Uh, over my lifetime, up until about, I was the age of probably 17, 18. I had about 68 operations to, you know, reconstruct my face and to separate my, my fingers. And you know, because I was, you know, growing up, especially with the operations, that was, you know, very painful to to have to deal with and have to to go through. But a lot of it was for my own benefit, was for my own health, and was to make me, you know, look more. I don't want to say human, but more, more like a regular you know, regular person. You know, they right. the doctors, you know, even told my, my parents that they would look at my dad and they would see, you know, the shape of his head and what his eyes looked like and everything. So they would try to conform, you know, what he looked like to what I looked like so that I can look more, you know, as a as a boy and as a young man I would look more like to the best of their ability, look more like my my dad growing growing up.
1: hmm
0: And, you know, I was in and out of the hospital multiple multiple times. And as you said, you know, you brought it up earlier being teased and make fun of, you know, being called monster and freak. I mean, it didn't happen as often as it did when I was younger, but even as an adult, you know, it it still happens at times. People will stare, people will call, you know, snicker and say things that they may not think I I can hear, they may not think I can know what's really going on. Mm -hmm. It still happens at, at times, unfortunately.
1: You know, Dorsey, you seem to have a really. A really neat personality. And I'm kind of wondering, as you look back on your life, both childhood and coming up through adult years, how long generally does it take someone to get to know you, who you are on the inside, until they don't really see anything else? They don't see the things about your physical appearance that might make you somewhat different from them or whatever. Yeah. How long does it take them?
0: I mean, I've met people and I've I've known them for a few weeks, you know. And that and that topic would come up, you know, where I would say something, and I would say something about my my disability, and they were like, "Well, I don't see you with someone with a disability."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It probably doesn't. I mean, I get maybe it depends on the person. I don't know. And for me, at least, I've gotten probably a several comments. Of people where I would only know them, you know, for a little while, they would tell me, "Well, I don't see you as someone with a a disability, you know." Yet you, you know, I look myself. I go home and I look in the mirror, and I see someone with a with a disability.
1: But <laughs> well, you know, but you your personality is so amazing in that not only have you been through so much, but you also seem to be someone who's trying to and has accomplished a lot that you want to try to see how much you can do. Whereas I've run into some individuals along the way that they're constantly, or maybe not constantly, but close to it, trying to be a victim. Yeah, They're trying to use things as an excuse to not do this and not do that. And they're always wanting to draw attention to anything that could make them not have to be responsible for something but you are the you seem to be the inverse of that that in spite of many things and you could have stopped so many times along the way and you just you keep going and you've accomplished I mean share with my listeners what I have not shared with them yet about all the things that you were able to do
0: yeah well I think the biggest reason that I don't you know, make myself out to be a victim, and I I have been able to accomplish so much is because of my parents. And because my parents, again, going back to, you know, the fact that people don't see me as someone with disabilities I mean, I, obviously they knew I had a disability, they they saw that I had a disability, but they didn't treat me as someone with a disability. They knew I had limitations, they knew there were certain restrictions that I wouldn't be able to, to do, but yet they didn't stop me from going out and trying something and, and doing what it was that I wanted to do. Several examples when I was when I was younger, I was on, you know, I would go out in the street and play baseball and play football and play basketball. And I can't lift my hands above my head, you know, so that's really restrictive of me to play certain sports for example, like basketball. Since a few months ago in the summertime, the the circles that I attend, they have the young people there that go out in the in the backyard and play basketball. And I was in that group, you know, playing playing basketball, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not someone that said, Well, you know, put my hands up and say, well, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, I started to, you know, I didn't do well in certain classes and certain, you know, groups in in school, you know, I had a learning disability and whatnot. And I was also part of a baseball and, and bowling league for people with disabilities as well. And, you know, I, I, there were times, you know, I would fall and butt my head and break my arm, you know, a couple times here and there. And I would have to go to the hospital and, you know, get checked on just to make sure that everything was okay. Thankfully, none of the, I mean, they they might do it now, but back then, for whatever reason, they they never, like, you know, none of the doctors were like, hey, we got to call CPI, you know, Child Protective Services on, on this family. This kid's getting, you know, something's getting the wrong with this kid over here. He's always coming in, <laughs> always coming into the operating room or the or the hospital.
1: Dorsey, you you seem to focus on what you can do, as opposed to what you cannot do, right? And I was wondering if you found that people would see you in the light of like, if you see yourself as someone that you can do these things, you're going to be out on the the basketball court, even though you might end up in the, the hospital when <laughs> someone else might not, but you're out there, you know, you're out there with people and you see yourself as someone that it's like, you can either focus on what you can do or what you cannot do. And from what you're sharing with me so far, you seem to be someone who focuses on what you can do Do you feel like since you're doing that, that other people generally will see you in that light as well or not?
0: I I hope they do. You know, I I hope they do see that the things I can do overshadow, you know, maybe the things that I can't do. And one of the things that I have, especially when I go for my my sermons and my speeches that I give at churches and events, one of my statements in my life I, I think I only started it a few years ago now and my, it's probably even in my book that I wrote. But the saying is can't is not in my, you know, vocabulary. You know, I say that because it, it's a true statement. There's never you know, very rarely a time, you know, that I say can't or I'm not gonna be able to to do this or to do that in my life. Yes, I've had struggles, and yes, I've had difficulties or things that I wasn't able to do or things that I struggled with, but I was able to persevere and able to push through in those times, and I was able to come out on on top. And one of the things was with my education and struggling with schooling, struggling with, you know, learning, and everything. And as I got older, you know, as we all do, we start to dream and we start to think about what do we want to do after we graduate school or after we graduate high school. You know, some of the things for me was as most boys do and, you know, some girls do, they want to be the big sports athlete and they want to be the big sports star. And, you know, other thing was maybe going to the ghost card or be a lifeguard or, you know, go back and be a nurse in the hospital, you know, to help people in the in the hospital. I really I really enjoyed working with the youth and, you know, being part of the youth group when I was growing up in my in my shirts. You know, that was a very safe space for me because that was a place where I knew they wouldn't tease me. I knew that they wouldn't make fun of me and they wouldn't bully me. And all they they there were times, you know, when I graduated high school that they had a party for me and they they roasted me, you know, about certain things, but it was all it was all in good fun. And as I went to a meeting to decide or to discuss what I was gonna do after I graduated high school, I there was a meet. My mom was there, and again, my mom, my dad both, you know, my mom passed away in 2002, but my parents were both big supporters of, you know, whatever I wanted to do, try and do. And they asked me, well, I said, I wanted to go on to college. And my high school history teacher was there, and he said, I don't think Dorsey will be able to make it in college. I don't think he has the ability or whatnot to to be able to do it. You know, they asked me and I said, Yeah, I think I can make it. At that point I had I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and the comparison, you know, that I put together sometimes is like going from a small fish ball to going to a, a river or maybe even an ocean because I went to school all my life in the same school. So mm-hmm. I knew all the teachers. I knew, you know, a lot of the students. I was very, you know, closed in in that schooling system where I didn't know anybody else. You know, so going to a right. school for a couple of hundred students and 50 teachers where I knew everybody to a community college of 2,000 right. and a couple of hundred uh, professors and I didn't know anybody.
1: <laughs> Whoo! <laughs> what was that transition like for
0: you? Because
1: that's daunting for anybody. Yeah,
0: it was difficult. I mean, the first, I remember the first day coming out of school, of college, my dad was picking me up because I couldn't drive at that time. I went down, I had taken a class or something, and I had to do some type of test. And I was like, Dad, I had to take a test in the first day of class. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to make it. (laughs) But, you know, it was was difficult. And, I mean, the first couple of weeks, you know, I was struggling. I even went to my mom one time and I said to her, like, hey, you know, I don't know if this is for me. You know, I don't know if this is what what I really should be doing. You know, she said to me, take it a few more weeks. And mm-hmm. see what, see what will happen. And there was a that's good
1: advice. Yeah,
0: and there was a a group, a Christian group that came to my church, and it was called Kai Alpha, and it's a Christian based, faith based, uh group, by um okay. Bible study group that meets on secular campuses. They, you know, said, you know they were talking about it and whatnot. And the next day, I went to the bookstore wherever it was that uh, I went to look for the different clubs that they were having on Wednesday afternoons. Right. And for sure enough, there was a for Christian club on that campus. And I went to that meeting. And I'm not saying that, you know, I didn't struggle at that time yet, but from the time that I went to that meeting till four years later when I graduated it was, I was no longer physically sick at night when I would go home. Again, you know, like I said, I, it wasn't that I didn't struggle. Obviously, it took me four years to do a two-year community college, so I had to take several classes over again. You know, there were some semesters where I was part-time. I only did nine credits, so I wasn't, you know, too overloaded, you know, with classes.
1: But, but you know, Dorsey, what I'm hearing as you're describing all of this is I'm hearing that you did not quit. Absolutely. That there, yep. there, there was any reason, there's any number of reasons why, it, no one would have blamed you if you had said, this is too overwhelming, I'm too full of anxiety, there's, I, I, there's so many things I can't do, I see all these other people doing all these things, and I don't think I compare, or whatever like that, but you didn't see yourself that way and you did not quit.
0: Right. Yeah, and really, I'm not, you know, I'm not that person. I'm not a person that to quit if eventually I don't think I ever really quit at anything in my entire life I mean Mm -hmm. as I said earlier I have you know short arms there were times when I would see the rock climbing walls that they have in different buildings and whatnot, and I would try to rock climbing walls and even after going to four years of community college I felt like I wanted to go on to barber college, because I felt like I wanted to become a a youth minister, because that's what I felt the calling of God was on my life. And, you know, like you said a uh, a minute ago about quitting, in Mm -hmm. 2002, August of 2002, I had falling on the campus of the Bible college. It took me three days because... I listened to a friend of mine. It took me three days to realize that I had broken my arm while I was on that campus. So I was walking and running around that campus with a broken arm, and I didn't even realize it. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Dorsey. My elbow, I think it was a Monday morning. Monday morning, my elbow was probably double the size that it's normally supposed to be. You know, so I said to to a friend of mine, I don't, you know, I looked at my elbow, up. I was like, I don't think that's normal, you know. (laughs) And so they took me to the hospital. My mom and my dad came down. And at the same time, my mom had a little, I guess, a mini stroke or whatever that she had. And several months later, on December 7th, 2002, I was trying to reach my mom. You know, every day, you know, try to call my mom and talk to her and <clears throat> speak to her, speak to my dad. But, you know, he would answer the phone. and I say, hey, dad, how you doing? Good. Here's your, here's your mom. Here's mom. Yeah, here's your mom. Yeah. And, you know, so I was trying to get a hold of her that, that day, and I, I wasn't able to get a hold of her. And I didn't really know what was happening. Several hours later, I got a call from my sister that my mom had passed away and it was in the middle of December, finals were coming up for that semester, and I went home, we had the funeral and everything, and for whatever reason, I went back that same month, maybe a week later, whatever, and finished up that semester and did the finals, and Maybe I talked to my dad or whatnot, but you know I I continued on. It took me, wow, it took me another three years to to finish Bible college. But I I finished Bible college for years for years later. So it took me between community college and Bible college. It took me nine years to get two associate's degrees and one one bachelor's degree.
1: Well, have you ever heard that phrase, it's not how you start, it's how you finish? Oh, I'm
0: cooling.
1: Uh-huh. And I mean you you finished and you're still going. Now, Dorsey, let me ask you a question because I've talked to lots of different guests and I'm a I'm a psychotherapist and so I've talked to a lot of different patients and different people. I'm imagining that there might be someone out there listening that maybe he's kind of questioning Christianity and, and and the the presence of a God. And if there is a God, a question that frequently would come up would be how could he allow this to happen to me? Yeah. How could I believe in a God and trust a God that would allow such things to happen to me? That's a question that we hear a lot right. and you are in a good position with everything that you've gone through since birth uh, to to answer that, I'm really curious and interested in what your answer is to that question.
0: To them, it may not be, may, they may not really understand it, but, you know, fortunately, from a Christian, you know, Christian perspective, unfortunately, we live in a falling world. You know what I mean by that? Going back to, you know, the Book of Genesis, where Adam and Eve are in the garden, and you know they're talking about eating from the fruit, the, the tree of the fruit, and you know God says, you know, don't eat from this from this tree. Eve takes the fruit and eats it, you know, and sin, and that's how sin comes into this world. And you know that's what we, that you know what people say, Christians would say, well, things happen in this world, bad things happen in the world because we live in a in a falling world. The God's not a God that will is going to punish you for a thing or for what you are going to do. What so what I'm saying, I mean, God's God cannot punish me because I live in a falling world. I believe that God created me the way that He did because He had a reason and a planning purpose for it. Yes, it's a genetic defect of why I was born the way I was born. Now, the, then the question becomes, well, I mean, we all know from biology and, and whatnot that we're all created in a world born and formed inside our mother's bodies. Now, I don't know if, you know, I believe that God allowed it, allowed me to be born this way but I don't think you're up there saying, well, Dorsey's gonna be born with this disability. So-and-so's gonna be born with this disability. This one's gonna be have these problems in, in his or her life, if that, you know, if that makes any any sense.
1: hmm It makes a lot of sense. It's very helpful, especially coming from someone that has your background and has faced the things that you faced, you have a a really A powerful position to be able to express your thoughts on that because of everything that you've gone through. Right. I've heard uh, other people talk about uh, feeling that sometimes when they are on the other side of it, like, you know, Phoenix and Flame is about pushing through and transforming, even when you feel like a pile of ash, you know, just allow yourself, allow the transformation to happen. And I've talked to people, and I'm I'm one of these people that feel this way as well. That sometimes when we're on the other side of it, we're different than we were before because of things that we were allowed to go through, and that difference, or those differences, sometimes give us a window or a, a way to help someone else when we could not have had we not gone through that hard time.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, I think in the Bible, I it, I think it first. Corinthians you know, one of the uh, New Testament chapters, it talks about I'm probably gonna get it out of order, but it talks about character creates hope and it talks about these things that we deal with in, that we that we're created with, you know, character, you know, hope, perseverance, you know, love and how like you're saying, you know, with the with the things that we deal with, those things will build up within us. When we're going through those trials, and when we when we come out of it, we're better off for it,
1: stronger. It kind of reminds me of a a question that you had listed for those listeners out there. When we're on um, Dorsey and I are both on Podmatch, and it's this awesome uh, website, and you can list out questions that you're prepared to answer and that you want to talk about when you're a guest on someone's podcast. And Dorsey, one of your questions was, how did you overcome people making fun of you? It kind of reminds me of what you just said in terms of how going through that and experiencing that, you kind of come out strong on the other side. But do you have anything else you want to add about when you were a child and getting called names, very awful names from other people that weren't very kind? How did you overcome that? What what helped you the most?
0: Realizing, you know, as I said before, realizing that, you know, God created me in his image and that out of that, I was a masterpiece in his image. And, you know, in Psalms 139, again, it talks about being, you know, created inside um, a mother's body. That's awesome.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I know that my listeners have so benefited from hearing all of this. I mean, your story is amazing. Dorsey, I appreciate getting to know you and to be able to talk with you and hear what you've gone through. Now, before we wrap up, I want to make sure that I'm able to send my listeners if they want to go and they will want to get more information about you. You said they could go to, uh, you said, com. Do I have that right? Now, you also mentioned earlier when you were talking about a book that you had written. Yes. What is the name of your
0: book? It's called uh, Overcomer. Overcomer. And it's my autobiography.
1: Awesome. Dorsey, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and your willingness to come and share your experience with my listeners. And I know that they have benefited from listening to you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys... I'm telling you what, this has been an amazing time and listening to Dorsey is just, it's just so encouraging and just lovely to hear everything that he's been able to overcome and gives me and I'm sure gives you encouragement that if he can face what he faced and he can find a way to persevere, then maybe we can too. Maybe we can go a little further. Maybe we can not quit. Maybe we can keep seeing ourselves maybe as we're Uh, designed by Christ, by God, um, and keep going and be able to transform. I would like for you to put the link of the podcast on your favorite social media platforms, whatever that is. If you're interested in in more podcasts, you can go to phoenixandflame.com. I'm also in the process of creating an online boundaries course that will be available And by the time I launch this particular podcast, it might be available. I'm not sure. But thank you for listening. Please share this podcast with other people. If you have friends or coworkers, um, neighbors, anybody that you feel like would benefit from listening to Dorsey's story, please send it, text it, send it an email, put it on your social media platforms and encourage people to listen and to share so we can grow our Phoenix and Flame community. I hope the rest of your day is wonderful. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.